Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Looking for a new high-end mascara without breaking the bank? The new L'Oreal Paris Panorama Mascara gives you a high-end lash look in a premium gold luxe packaging. It's all about panoramic volume and fully fanned out lashes. With its tapered brush, the new Panorama Mascara catches every single lash, giving you the false lash look without any of the hassle. Say goodbye to clumps and flakes, because this mascara is specially formulated to resist them all day with up to 24-hour wear. And the best part? It performs better than Lux mascaras at only a fraction of the cost. You can buy Panorama Mascara on Amazon today. Hello, hello, hello. I'm your Joy Behar hostess with the mostest in quarantine, Michael Munoz. And welcome to In Yo Mouth! In your mouth. I'm the queen of food who's always in the mood to lick it right, lick it good, show you how to. Oh, oh God, that's good. I want to know what you eat from the streets to the sheets. So open wide, honey. I'm coming. In Goosebumps. Hey there and welcome back, folks. Once again, I'm your hostess with the most is Michael Munoz. And how are we doing? Can you believe this is, I think, week six? I think I figured it out, folks. Week six of this quarantine, this pandemic. How is everyone doing out there? I myself, Lord, I have my good days and my bad days. You know, the anxiety is real. I live in 120 square feet in Times Square, so the loneliness can be real sometimes. But you know what? I've said this before on the pod. I just try to find the joy through it all. I'm dancing with Mark Kinemura every day at 5 o'clock. That brings me joy. I try to get out and get some fresh air. That also brings me joy. What is bringing you joy out there? Let us find the joy together and we will make it through. And you know what's joyful about today? Well, today is Wednesday and it's a little bit of a rainy day here in New York City, but it's also National Jelly Bean Day. Yes. Beep, 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 <laughs> so if anything, that is cause to celebrate today. But on a completely different note, today's podcast, I have invited Michael Stackleather on to join me in a minute. Michael Stackleather and his brother have opened up a restaurant in the East Village called Post. It's been open since 2016. And they're this tiny restaurant, and they're really, really popular for their biscuits and their nachos, their pulled pork nachos, and they have a bunch of vegan dishes. But what I wanted to do today on the pot is have an inside look from someone in the restaurant industry who's struggling, you know, who has had had to let go of their staff and how they're supporting their staff, but is also but who also, I should say, is doing something great for their community. They are providing meals to our healthcare workers, to the fire department. And I just kind of wanted an inside look to that because 
you know, out there we're hearing these stories and we're and we're seeing people talk about these stories via Instagram. But I don't I feel like we're not getting, you know, an inside look. So I thought it would be really interesting today to have him on the pod and talk about his journey and what is happening from the inside of the restaurant business. So without further ado, let's get him on the phone and let's get cooking because I'm really excited to talk to him today. Hello, I'm here. Hi. Oh, hey, how are you? <laughs> I'm good. How are you, Michael? <laughs> good, good. Thanks for coming on and taking time out of your very busy schedule, what I'm assuming is very busy for you during this time. Um, so I really appreciate you taking out the time to join me on my little on my little old gay podcast. Um, so thank you. Happy Monday. Happy Monday. Thanks for having me. Yes, we're recording. Yes, we're recording this on a Monday, but Wednesday, we need to start as we always start here on In Your Mouth, Mikey. And I need to wish you Wednesday's happy National Food Day, which is happy National Jelly Bean Day. Jelly beans. I love jelly beans. Do you? Um, I feel like people are really um, you know, bothered by jelly beans. You're either a fan or you're not. There's no middle ground. Yeah. Yeah, either you're a uh, pro jelly bean, jelly bean, or anti jelly bean. You know, I I really, I really do like black jelly beans. I don't know why, but I love those are my favorite black jelly beans. Yeah. Uh, yeah well, you licorice. know what they say: the black of the berry, the sweeter <laughs> the jelly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so you like a, you like a licorice jelly bean? Okay. I do. I do. It's it's it's. I've always liked that flavor for some reason. Yeah, not not for me. Uh, jelly Belly yeah. makes a really good strawberry jam jelly bean. I've had that one. I've had that one. That, that one's a good one. That I'm really into. Uh, into. Are you a big candy person? Uh, I can be at times, but not usually. I'm more of an ice cream fan. That's what I am. I'm an ice cream fan. Yeah, um, I yeah. I am a little lactose intolerant, but during this quarantine, I've been beasting on some Van Leeuwen. Is that how you say it? They make some of the best vegan ice cream I've ever had. They do. They do. Um, so Delicious makes really good vegan ice cream, too. You should check that one out. The salted caramel is my favorite. Yeah, I've been I've been just living my uh, vegan ice cream dreams with this pistachio ice cream from Van Leeuwen and the mint chip. Oh, I'm going to have to check it out. So definitely, yeah. definitely. And before we move on, on this, did you know on this day in gay history, because I love to call on our gay ancestors, you know, so we learn yes. from the past. So we yes. so we don't make mistakes in the future. Um, today is not such a happy one. In 2005, HB 1515, which would have made it illegal to fire an employee based on sexual orientation, is defeated in the Washington State Senate by one single vote. Isn't that something else with everything else going on in the world yeah um, yeah whether you can uh whether you can work just because you're gay or not um is an issue you know yeah yeah i mean such sexual orientation you know um <laughs> yeah, uh, making decisions like that on uh people's sexual orientation is it's it's beyond me beyond me and i mean uh, as um as a gay business owner uh could you imagine just having 
having the state like just legislate whether you can even own that business or just be exactly like, you know exactly uh, what, what what was that like kind of even be like yeah uh, you know what i mean yeah yeah i mean I, I i mean there's so many hurdles that the gay community has to go through anyways i mean and it's still you know it's 2020 you know and there's still hardships i mean what you just mentioned just was a literally just six years ago or five years ago so yeah. it was pretty recent you know but i'm i'm optimistic i'm optimistic that there's going to be new legislation that um you know propels you know this country forward when it comes to you know lgbtq yeah, um, we, we can only hope, especially during this time and this madness. But moving on to like happier things and speaking of you being a gay business owner, you own a restaurant uh, with your brother called Post, right? Yes. And now I want to know how um, a military, uh, two military like family brothers from that have been moving all over the place. All over up, the place. End up in New York, opening a restaurant, serving, serving... A, men, a very eclectic menu of, of biscuits and vegan items. And then, like, I hear your nachos are really great, too. The vegan nachos are amazing. And the regular nachos, the pulled pork nachos, are very good. See, we have, we have something for everyone, you know? And it's, um, we're all inclusive, you know? <laughs> well, that's the, way I, that's the way I like my restaurants and my yes. menus to be. Exactly. All inclusive. But, so, all inclusive. So from, uh, in reading your story, from Seattle, you settled, your family settled uh, for a while, then down to North Carolina. What, what, what like kind of, you know, just made you want to move, you and your brother want to move to New York and then make you want to open up a restaurant in New York too, because this, this is one of the hardest markets. It's, it, it is, it is. Um, and I think, uh, with the help of naivety on our part, kind of like, you know, ushered us to where we are right now, we didn't really understand how hard it was going to be to open a restaurant, but we just went for it anyways. You know, we just took it day by day. We did the things that we needed to do to get this accomplished. And we we learned a lot. But um, yeah, speaking on my past, we were just two Seattle grunge kids, you know, running around with like red hair, you know, and uh, oversized sweatshirts and oversized pants, hanging out with a whole bunch of skaters and the whole- uh, Some Jenkos, some elephant ear Jenkos. Yeah, totally, <laughs> totally yes. And Listen, we're saying- I remember, I remember. I know, yeah, it was, it was, it was quite a stylish time. Well, I mean, Seattle. we're going to use that term loosely. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, at the moment, we thought we were stylish, but, yeah. you know, pictures pictures tend to prove us wrong. So, but, um, yeah, uh, my parents um, fell into some financial difficulty. They, uh, you know, bit off more than they could chew because there were five kids. One, I believe, had moved away. She, Our oldest sister moved away to Florida. Um, but still it was a, it was a, a big house and it, it, they just couldn't keep up with it, you know? And so, um, to, uh, kind of, you know, simplify their lives, we decided, well, my parents decided to move back to North Carolina to where my dad's family is located. And we ended up in this 
small town called Snades Ferry. And it was um, sort of like 45 minutes north of Wilmington, North Carolina. And there was one intersection. And then there was one stoplight. There was our our mobile home park, a storage facility, a gas station, and a pie factory. And that was pretty much it. So it sounds like a bustling metropolis. It was, I mean, (laughs) there was something going on every day. (laughs) I love that there was a pie factory. The Hostess Pie Factory was there. They made the apple and the cherry pies. And that's pretty much the majority of the 300 people that lived in the town, either their, you know, spouses or siblings or children. That's where they all went to go work. So that was pretty much their future. And I had two interviews there. I went on two interviews. It, it was a strange interview. I, the person that was giving me the tour, it, I was there when there was a huge storm running through North Carolina and the power went off while the whole conveyor belt was going. They were making the pies. And then um, he told me to back up because the power comes on fairly quickly because they had the backup generator, whatever. So I backed up quickly and then he's all like, yes, I had an employee lose an arm because he was still, you know, placing things on the conveyor belt when the power came on. So it took his arm off when it came back on. And after that, I decided I wasn't going to work there. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't want my life to be, you know, a pie factory. You you weren't like uh, that employee in uh, the Tiger King who lost her arm and went back to work. Yes, I was, I was too smart to like fall for that. So yeah. So you, so you grabbed your brother and, and a suitcase and a dream and you moved to New York. New York moved, City. He moved, he moved to New York City just to get, just to get the scope of it first. And then I followed thereafter. And yeah, we just, we packed up our Oshkosh Bagosh luggage and just like headed up north. And here we are. We've been here ever since. Yeah. And now you have this uh, cute little restaurant in the East Village on Avenue B. And it's uh, super popular, right? Or Yes. You know, always bustling. You can't get in for brunch. No. And I refuse to wait on the line. But now that we're connected, maybe I... uh, after the quarantine is over. I can see I can, what I can do. I you can know, see what I can get yeah. the stuff <laughs> for, for those biscuits that I've been hearing about and those pulled pork nachos that, you know, my, the entire internet is just raving about. How, how did you decide on the cuisine? And like, is it your Southern roots? And why, and why isn't mm. it, and why isn't it like your Filipino roots didn't come into play there? Or is it like hidden? It, in the beginning, in the beginning, we were toying with, the idea of opening up a cafe. So we wanted to do coffee and like, you know, maybe some pastries or something like that. You know, I mean, it was, uh, the whole idea was still, we were still formulating it. Uh, we were, we decided to do, well, there was like some idea of bagels being thrown around and then outsourcing bagels from Black Sea bagels and just having paninis and quiches. But um, me and my brother, really, we finally sat down and we're all like, listen, instead of, trying to enter this bagel game where there are places in this city that's been making bagels since the late 1800s. We're going to jump into the bagel game and, you know, think that we're going to make our stamp in that. So let's just try to create something that we do good. And we used to, believe it or not, we used to skip school and go home 
in just while everybody was at work and, you know, the other kids were at school, we would just sit there and we'd bake. And we, we made really good biscuits. So we knew we, we knew how to make biscuits and we knew how to make them very good. We knew how to make biscuits and gravy. So I think that's where the idea of the whole biscuit menu came into play. You know, and we're just big fans of food. We like food to be simple. We like food to be fresh, you know. So what really happened was the idea of a cafe kind of morphed into a restaurant. And then we were just dragged along with it and we had to keep up pace. So now, now, spending a little bit of time in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, I myself learned that there are different types of biscuits, like there are cat head biscuits. And then I don't know. Do you do you make a specific type of biscuit here? We we make uh, it's our Aunt Merle's recipe, and it's just a good old Southern buttermilk biscuit. We okay. I mean we we get a little adventurous with maybe some ingredients like adding sage or rosemary to it, but the the original buttermilk biscuit that we make is just it's like we don't want to mess with a good thing. And maybe in the future, I mean, because we are expanding, and you know. Um, I mean, we're fortunate enough to have that opportunity to expand. I think we will play with, you know, you know, other ingredients, you know, and just really kind of spread our wings when it comes to that. Yeah. And now speaking of expanding, I, I know that you're moving. And um, how is it, how is it a possible to move during this time, right? Um, because this must be a really, really crazy time for you. And, yeah. are, and I know personally that you're, you're still working six days a week uh, doing mm-hmm. uh, takeout and pickup, mm-hmm. and you're yeah. also and you're also feeding the health workers during yeah. this time and helping your community out. Like, yeah. how is this all possible? Um, we just really kind of like uh, dug in deep, pulled up our boots. It, it, we went into self-preservation mode because it, this was an investment that me and my brother you know, wholeheartedly, you know, gave everything to. And it's just, it's the only thing that we have. So of course we wanted to keep it going and, you know, hopefully we survive, you know, this horrible ordeal. But um, unfortunately we had to uh, fire everybody. It wasn't a large staff, but it was a staff that worked a lot of shifts. And that was kind of hard because we were their main source of income. We had three full-time employees and then two two to three part-time employees you know so the ones that you know were working full-time kind of like kind of left out high and dry you know so it was unfortunately it, it was unfortunate that we had to let them go of course hopefully they all return to us when all this is lifted but me and my brother started this restaurant we worked the first couple of months seven days a week 18 hours a day we did this for the first couple of months. So the hours for us, like the six days a week, it's no big deal. I mean, we just want we just want the restaurant to be okay. As far as the new space, we that was something that was already set in motion. And it's really up to the landlords and how gracious they can be. You know, and I don't expect much from landlords in the city, but, you know, hopefully they do the right thing and, you know, understand the situation that we're all in. As far as, uh, you know, um, making our deliveries, we make two to three deliveries to hospitals. We, we both saw a segment on the news about, you know, restaurants giving to uh, 
people on the front lines and the medical, you know, profession. And so we wanted to try to help do our part. I mean, because we can make a lot of biscuits, we can make, you know, you know, simple, you know, individually wrapped, you know, sandwiches where they don't have to worry about anybody else touching their food. We wanted to make it to where they had their own individual sandwich so they didn't have to worry about anybody else touching their sandwich. So we're all like, let's just run for it. We, a girl that lives in the building above us, she works at New York Presbyterian or no, she worked at Columbia and she was all like, yes, you know, I'll tell my coworkers that were coming by with biscuits and that's pretty much how it all got started. And then other people started to reach out, you know, and um, we decided to keep it up, you know. And then there's the fire station around the corner from our uh, restaurant where we're going to take some biscuits to them tomorrow. Yeah. Trying to make that, uh, you know, a weekly thing for them, too. They that's, it, that's incredible. And it's been just incredible from my end because I'm not only being in the hospitality industry for 21 years myself, but having a lot of connects in the restaurant industry just via my work and then via the podcast and via my Instagram, just seeing all that these restaurants, including yours, are doing to help their, their surrounding communities. And I often wonder in this time, because obviously the revenue isn't coming in like it used to be. How is this sustainable for you? How are you, how are you making this sustainable? Because, you know, that's money that's going out, you know, yeah. but, but there's a need to help there, yeah. you know, and you have to at this point. Like, yeah, exactly. Well, first of all, I, I would like to thank all the donors that have donated because we've created a GoFundMe for this whole, you know, project to get the the biscuits out to the healthcare workers. So thank you for to all the donors that really stepped up and donated to this cause. That's amazing. And we'll link that out at the end of the pod too. So if anybody out there still has work and is working and has uh, the funds to donate to that GoFundMe, Mm -hmm. um, I want to be sure to get them to you um, as well. That would be amazing. Also, um, we decided to do a Venmo account too. Um, and a lot of people, I want to thank them too, the people that donated to the Venmo account just so we could, you know, give our employees a little bit of money and uh, kind of like fan it out throughout this whole situation. So they still have like a little chunk of money coming to them that might help them out with groceries and stuff like that. And so uh, we have that in place for the employees too, in case they don't, get their stimulus checks. So we have that too. So I'm really grateful for the donors of that too. And it's it's mainly a lot of our regulars, you know, that uh, that miss us and, you know, they want to do all that they can. So we, we are around when things get back moving. So I'd like to thank them too. Yeah, that's, uh, that's incredible. I mean, um, and it's, kind of a testament, maybe a testament to your community, A, but a testament to New Yorkers in general, just kind of rallying. So they rally, they rally. You as a business rallying for the community and your community itself rallying for you to rally for Mm -hmm. the community. It's, It's this really beautiful cycle that's happening that I'm seeing uh, not only with you now, but with a bunch of other people as well. Um, I don't know if you've discovered the Ate It app, uh, but it's a food, it's a new way to discover food in the, in New York city. And they have the restaurant, yeah. they have their restaurant revival t-shirt that they're selling that a hundred percent of the proceeds are going to, you know, restaurants like yours to keep, 
to keep, um, you know, small businesses afloat mm-hmm. because Lord knows this, uh, this stimulus uh, money is running out. Well, no? we applied. We applied for the stimulus uh, package. Um, I think it, w- it was rolled out on uh, March, t- or yeah, March twenty seventh, and we had filled out the application on the twenty eighth, and all our paperwork was uh, submitted and everything, and um, we felt like we were on top of that. But even 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 a day later, I mean, that money was already allocated before our application was even even considered it. it went so fast so i think there's a lot of mom and pop restaurants in this city that are just feeling the full brunt um of you know not even seeing a stimulus check or a uh ppp fund loan whatever it may be and it's just those are the restaurants that really you know need the most help. And um, I'm just I'm I'm just afraid that the larger entities in the restaurant, you know, world have kind of, you know, sucked up all the funds. And I just hope like the smaller mom and pop shops aren't left, you know, left out in the wind, you know. Yeah, I mean, this, uh, the city, once this is all over, when this is over, will certainly be a very, very different place. I know mm-hmm. just, by, just by me, there was a bunch of places about to open um, that I was really excited about, and that, yeah. that who knows if they've even made it through. And that I'll, is, yeah, that is the most, yeah, the precarious, that's one of the most precarious situations to be in, like, you know, you know, investing everything you've got into a space, and then just, like, right when you're about to open, this just kind of, like, hits. I I, I feel for those people, you know, and and I just hope it works out for them, too, because that's probably a really tough situation. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it it's once again um, a vicious domino effect of mm-hmm. a, a people in the restaurant industries, your staff losing their jobs into you, you figuring out how to keep it moving and how to keep that revenue coming in as well as helping your community out. Meanwhile, trying to figure out how to pay your rent, because Lord knows the rent in these buildings for the tiniest spaces, you know, is not cheap. I know. I'm avoiding my landlord. He comes every morning to organize the trash and do some paperwork. And I've been avoiding him for the past couple of days. Well, (laughs) I'm all like, I don't I don't know what to tell him. I'm like, um, uh. I'm going to have your money soon, I guess. I don't know. It's just, you know, I'm, I, I just want to remind him that, you know, there's a pandemic going on, you know, uh, hopefully he'll have his money, you know, soon. But I think a lot of people are in the same situation. And I, 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 I'm just, I'm in my head a little bit. I know these landlords know what's going on and they don't really es- expect, you know, the rent check. As usual, like the timing of the pay of the rent checks is it's going to yeah. be a lot different for them. So, yeah, everything's thrown off. And I mean, it's once again, it's it's you paying your rent and then them paying the, the taxes on the building and then so on. Yeah, it's, like, it's this it's this vicious cycle. And hopefully um, uh, I know because I'm a I'm a true believer in the karma of it all, that all the good that, me you're too, doing, me too. that all the good you are doing will 
will rate will come back to you in this sense of uh, you know in this time of trouble but to take yeah. a, but I want to take a little break right now just to just to lighten it up a, a bit and take you into my favorite part of the podcast and the audience's favorite part of the podcast I hope you're ready Mikey for I'm a little ready. bit of food news update food You ain't ready, girl. Spill the tea. News update. Chloe Kardashian has been buying groceries for senior citizens at Trader Joe's. <laughs> well, the Kardashians are back at it, Mikey. Are, are you a Kardashians fan? It really depends on the day. It really depends on the day. <laughs> I mean, but yeah, usually I'm not. But, I was- you know. I was only a fan for about like 3.3 seconds. And it was about uh, two weeks ago when I think it was Chloe and Kim got into that slap fight. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, there's like this little video out there where um, Northwest kind of <laughs> interrupts um, Kim on <laughs> film. And it's it's the funniest little excerpt. Hopefully, I can find it again, but it's pretty funny. Uh, at least, at least they're putting their money to good use, which I, yeah. I, th- I think they've been doing for a while. But apparently, she's been doing this secretly, and someone found her out, according to Delish. Really? Yeah, she's really? been she's been uh, quietly popping up at Trader Joe's and Ralph's stores across Greater Los Angeles, and mm. paying for, and paying for groceries for um, the elderly, and then. Um, Beyond that, she also provided more than 200 gift cards for employees at all the locations. Oh, that's sweet. That's sweet. She's visited. Yeah. So, um, you know what? I'm I'm here for this Chloe, Kylie, uh, Kylie Jenner moment or Chloe Kardashian moment. I always get them really confused. (laughs) Me too. Me too. You know? Yeah. Yeah. But you know what? I hope she's like throwing some. what are, I love the ABC bars at Trader Joe's. They have these ABC bars. They're like um, these uh, kind of peanut butter, um, multi-grain breakfast bars. I'm, I hope she's throwing those in the boxes because those are delicious. Right. Uh, that and some of that cauliflower gnocchi. Oh, my goodness. Yes, that's so it's, good. It's delicious. Yeah. So it looks like we're here for you this week, Chloe Kardashian. Good yeah. job. Good job, Chloe. You're awesome. Dole is donating more than 2 million pounds of fresh produce in light of the coronavirus outbreak. I feel like we needed, like, uplifting food news this day of people much like you, uh, you know, doing good for their communities. So, you know, um, I mean... Dole Yay, is, Dole. Yeah, you know, Dole has growers all over the world and they have been uh, making donations to food banks uh, in places like New York, Philadelphia, Charlotte, Houston, Los Angeles, and San Diego. And in addition to these produce donations, Dole has also started issuing support to rural communities in Latin America where much of the, its fruit is grown. And they're supplying their communities with uh, staples like rice, beans, cooking oil, as well as masks, sanitizing gel, sanitizing gel, I can't speak all of a sudden, testing kits and other health supporting supplies. That's awesome. You know? Yeah. Good for them. Yeah. I mean, people, I mean, the best comes out of people when things like this happen. And that's really good to hear. 
Yeah, you know, um, I, and I used to live for like a Dole fruit cup back in fruit, the day. <laughs> the fruit cocktail in the can with the maraschino cherries. I yes, mean, the maraschino cherries were the best part. My mom used to make this, uh, she called it fruit salad. I don't even know what kind of salad it's called. I mean, it, it, is it even technically a salad? But she would call it a fruit salad and she would get um, fruit cocktail, Dole fruit cocktail, um, cream cheese, a little bit of whipped cream and she would mix it all up and she would call it her fruit salad. And I mean, thinking about eating it now, I, I just, I probably wouldn't touch it. But when I was a kid, that that was a really good. <laughs> it was so good. <laughs> In your mouth, listeners, I wish I had recorded the video of this because just watching you remembering uh, that fruit yeah. salad and what it tasted like, you can legit just, you, I felt be, like I, it I could taste it. should be in everybody's recipe book. It should well, be in. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's pretty simple. It was fruit. Uh, it was fruit cocktail. Fruit cocktail, cream cheese, and whipped cream. There uh, you well, go. there yeah. you go. And we have nothing but time on our hands. So you know what? Put that on your Instacart list. And thank you to Dole for doing good for its communities. Pringles has a new chicken and waffles chips that combine sweet and savory flavors. I picked this one for you, too, just for the restaurant. A little chicken and waffle Pringles chip. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I like the sweet and savory. Are are you Now, is Pringles a chip? Do do you consider Pringles a real potato chip? Yes, I do. Because that's up for debate. Yeah. I mean, if you close your eyes and then eat it, it's pretty much a potato chip. You know, Pringles has has come out with a, a lot of weird flavors, and uh, they're getting you know, creative. They are, and and what better to do than uh, to add to your junk food uh, list during this quarantine than some mm-hmm. pr- Pringles chicken and rice. I always, I always stare at the Pringles. I mean, whenever, whenever I want some salty junk food, it's the Pringles. It's the Pringles. Well, you know, I mean, a lot of them like. Uh, a lot of them carry milk products now because I myself am vegan. Um, carry a lot of milk products, so I've got to stay away. I mean, I know I'm safe with the the, the salt and vinegar and, and the original, but a lot of the other ones, like the pizza one, you you I'm, even if it's super duper dehydrated and packed up in the little cylinder, it still contains milk, which I don't understand. But you know. So I mean, so this wouldn't be on your list because it, it probably has dehydrated chicken on it yeah no yeah i wouldn't i i yeah it wouldn't be my first choice and how does one make chicken powder can can we can we discuss this i don't know i don't know i mean i i'm it's probably (laughs) dried dried for months on end you know and then ground up to a powder does it does it come from like chicken jerky? Um, I'm Puerto Rican, and my mother always used these um, sazon packets, which I are, love sazon. Yeah. yeah, but it's pork. It's dehydrated pork and MSG essentially. Mm-hmm. And I've mm-hmm. always <laughs> always wondered to myself, how did they how did they make pork powder? Like, how does that even happen? Yeah, it's it's, it's one. It's a mystery. It's but, one of you the know, many things I've been wondering. Yeah, they do pack a lot of flavor in those little cubes. They really do. Like any kind of packet, I mean, they pack a lot of flavor into those. Yes, uh, I'm sure. I'm sure we're not finding that in your pulled pork recipe. At no, all. <laughs> no. 
Well, you know what? I think this is a great way to end a little bit of food news update. I hope, I hope you are very enlightened this morning, Mikey. I am. I am. Um, you know what? Speaking of, uh, you know, positive things and and you know, putting putting positive energy out there. What what is the most? What would you say is the most like beautiful thing or most like? you know, interesting thing that you've seen during this time because you're working through this time? Um, the sense of community. I, it's, it's, it's always amazing to me. And I was here in 9-11, you know, and um, the sense of community. I mean, the majority of the days, in New Yorkers can't be bothered. But like, you know, in, in, in the face of crisis, it, we really do band together and, you know, make sure everybody's taken care of, everybody's, you know, safe and, you know, everybody has what they need. You know, I mean, I think that's what I love about this city, you know, yeah. and it gives me hope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I see it around me in my neighborhood of people distributing masks uh, to the homeless. Yeah, and- yeah. And I know I have a lot of drag queen friends uh, who sew all their own costumes and they're all sewing masks for healthcare workers awesome. and, for, and for their communities and so on and so forth. So I would agree with you that the sense of community in such a large city um, feels so small town sometimes. Yeah. You, you know, uh, yeah. when, when we when we band together and we're like, mm-hmm. okay, we need to get some shit done. Yeah. We need you know? to make sure everybody's okay. Yeah. What would you like to see at the end of this? when we come through? I would like to see, that's a very good question. I would like to see more charitable things happening around the city, you know? I think this really put a spotlight on how a lot of us are very vulnerable. So I would like to see a lot more, you know, charity events. And I think that's going to happen. I think I think everybody has their eye on one another. I mean, because this has never happened before. So I think uh, New Yorkers have their eyes on each other. Yeah, especially in the restaurant community. And now that I've asked you that question um, and not really thought about what my response would be, the restaurant community has really banded um, together in a way to kind of help help the healthcare workers get healthy meals that aren't just fast food and help and help our service workers and help our essential workers and i i would love to see um yeah honk if you love the the restaurants <laughs> but yeah. um i would love to see a, a bigger banding together of the hospitality community to to keep that momentum going to keep mm-hmm. to keep our communities thriving to keep uh, you know there's so many hungry mouths in in this city from homeless to mm-hmm. uh you know the children on the street uh which most of them statistically are lgbtq youth you know yeah. and keeping yeah. that momentum going once the revenue starts really coming in and not forgetting mm-hmm. about this time where the restaurant community um has had a huge impact yeah yeah. I mean, I think like, um, you know, not uh, a lot of people aren't going to get those stimulus checks, you know, and these people are, they're, they're struggling with poverty, you know, and so they're not, a lot of them like are undocumented, you know, and 
they've been laid off work too. And the money is slowly going to run out, you know, and it's just, um, we just need to like help out the food banks and, you know, just, just to make sure everybody's okay. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I completely agree. And I really want to thank you for this, um, very interesting and vivid look from the inside, you know, because we see it all the time via Instagram. We're, we're all at home. A lot of us are unemployed and, um, we, we hear the stories, but, uh, or we're seeing the stories via, via photos, but we're not, we're not really getting word from the inside word from people yeah. like you who are, are living it day in and day out. Yeah. So I, I really want to thank you for sharing your story before we close oh, out. But before we close out, um, I read a little something that you used to work at some of the gay bars in the in the. Oh city. Yeah, uh, yeah! Yes, yes. <laughs> I mean, which ones? And and spill the dirty details, honey. Oh, oh. <laughs> I was a bartender at. Okay, this is. I'm kind of dating myself, but I was a bartender at the Hole. Oh. Uh, yeah, on First Avenue. It was I... before. It, yeah, Remember. it was before it turned into the cock. It was before it was the cock. It was the hole, and it was right next to Urge. And Folks, then there uh, was a single light bulb in the hole at and, one point, and there the was bar trash bags on the walls, and it was just the dirtiest. I loved it though. I loved working there. I lo- I worked on Thursdays, Super Gulp Thursdays, we called it. And it was like $20 to get into the door. And I remember we would spray people with our soda hoses because they wouldn't leave tips. Yeah, yeah, but it was also a hot box in there because it was. there was no ventilation. No. And like and it some, was dark. It was dark and someone would like light candles, which made it would would make it even <laughs> hotter. And then at one point those candles would glow out and like someone would like uh, that light yeah. bulb. Um I, I even mess. think the bartender, the the bar itself was on like uh beer cases. Yes. Right? Yes, it was. Beer and it was cases just, yeah. and like plywood. It was the stickiest bar you would ever imagine. And it, it just like, no matter how many times you'd wipe it down, it'd still just be sticky. <laughs> <laughs> it was fun, though. It was a what good was time the craziest thing that you've ever seen happen at the hole? Uh, I think it's just too risky to just like, you know, say <laughs> on your podcast. But, uh, you know, I'll tell you, like, uh, <laughs> when we're off air. Oh, yeah. All right. Just like everything, everything went down there. Everything went. I mean, it was just, it was a free for all, you know. And what people don't know is like, uh, there was a downstairs back room, you know. Um, I can't believe people went down there, but it was the scariest place on earth. It was the scariest place on earth because those candles would blow out and then you couldn't find your way in or out. Yeah. And yeah, it was just one. Well, there were two entrances, but you know. Yeah, I I mean the the nights at the hole, and back then you used to be able to smoke in the bar too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was Lord, smoky, dark, danky. Lord, well, once once we close out, I want all the stories. Yeah, because <laughs> I remember. Oh my God, our gay youth, my gay youth. Just lost it was it was young. It was fun. Everybody had endless amounts of energy. It was. It was, it was the answer to Chelsea, you know, I mean, you had your East River grunge gay bars and then you had your Chelsea bars, which were all muscle and tans and stuff like that. And, you know, I chose, I chose 
the dirty, gritty part of New York. I remember I used to do this triangle all the time. It would be the pyramid bar. It would be the hole. And then it would be the cock. And I, we would just do that. Me and my friends would just do that triangle. Yes, the old cock on Avenue B and like 12th, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, it was on Avenue A and 12th. Yeah, Avenue and A then, and 12th. Yes, and then you I don't, let, let's not forget about Wonder Bar. Uh, oh my god i miss wonder bar wonder bar was one of the first bars i went to when i first moved to the wonder bar and then the slide do you remember the The slide slide. i went to i went to an underwear party there was an underwear party uh at slide isn't that all they did it was i was just thinking to myself yeah it was just all that they did i was thinking to myself i'm like if you're gonna go to an underwear party please make sure you're wearing clean underwear and why would you wear tidy whites Anyways, dirty tidy whities but that's the majority of what they were wearing. They were wearing all dirty whitey tidies <laughs> at the <laughs> underwear party. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Well, um, I'm sure a lot of these uh, listeners, at least the young ones, are like, why? Are they these, remember. They remember. Why they are these remember. two old queens just <laughs> go, running down <laughs> mem- yeah. Mammary Lane, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh. But, oh my God, those were the days, my friend. <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, I really want to thank you for taking some time out um, of your very busy schedule once again. It was again my pleasure. To my come pleasure. and give us your story and give us an inside look of what's happening from the restaurants on the front lines that are doing the most to help out their communities while still try, uh, trying to survive themselves. Um, I think it's a really beautiful thing you're doing and I can't thank you enough. Let's, thank you. Let's give us, um, the kids, all the information, the instant Instagram, the GoFundMe, the Venmo, any which way people can help. Let's shout it out now, and then I'll link it out later as well. All right. So for Instagram, you'll find this all in our bio, but um, the Instagram handle is Post New York, spelt out one word. It has our GoFundMe in the link in the bio, so uh, check it out. For the Venmo for the employees, um, it's uh, post dash new york dash restaurant that is the venmo so you know i mean two dollars three dollars doesn't matter yeah i mean and it's going to the staff and like i said our our front of house staff and back of house staff are suffering the most you know these days so anything helps for sure i mean yeah. And so, and I will, like I said, I will link that all out as well uh, in the podcast notes and on my Instagram, as always. Uh, if you have any questions or you want uh, to show me any love, you can always find me at In Your Mouth Pod or send me an email at In Your Mouth NYC at gmail.com. And if you have anything nasty to say, you can always just forward it to at the Bianca Del Rio on Instagram. <laughs> Once again, thank you to you, Mikey, and of course, restaurant for just you know uh, spending some time with us this uh, beautiful cloudy new york morning and on this national jelly bean day national jelly bean day it was a pleasure it was a pleasure thank you for having um and as always uh thank you all out there for listening to in yo mouth yes